All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as we are on trade deadline eve. Uh, tomorrow, when you most likely listen to this podcast, we'll be in the midst of the trade deadline. I recommend that you listen to this podcast before that because I am recording this with no prior knowledge of what may happen over the course of the next 16 hours or so. And I think that's important in noting that Look, this is this is going to be perspective on Denver's game against the Orlando, or not the Orlando Magic, the uh, Toronto Raptors. Those two those two games were vastly different. Uh, t- Toronto blows out Denver 135-111. It was ugly. Uh, we'll talk about that in the first segment. Talk about in the second segment some trade deadline anxiety that seems to be going on around the team, around uh, Nuggets fans in general, kind of a where I see things happening, what I think will probably occur. And we're going to kind of take that as it comes. And then third segment, we're going to do Throwback Thursday. I'm going to talk about Gary Harris and Will Barton because I think that both guys, they have been in Denver for so long that I think they've become a little bit underappreciated with what they've accomplished, what they've done. And I just want to call some attention to that and and kind of take Nuggets fans down memory lane, because if this is the last time Nuggets fans see Gary Harris or Will Barton in a Nuggets uniform, then uh, I, I want people to be reminded of the players that they were. And still are in, in Barton's case, in a lot of their cases. Like, these guys are still good pieces, and it's why teams are going to be trading for them if they do. But it's it's at least something to think about. Okay, let's start with this game. Uh, Toronto. They come out guns a-blazing in this game against the Nuggets. Uh, they started out 5-of-5 five five from behind the three-point line, and the three-point barrage was the story tonight against Denver. Uh, Denver gives up 24 threes, 24 out of 48 shooting for 50% from Toronto. Some of those shots were tough shots that Toronto just hit, some of them were poor game plan discipline. Some of them were poor effort. Some of them were just guys not trying and, and really being uh, pretty aloof in terms of the defensive game plan and, and how they were supposed to act and perform. Uh, 24 threes is the most in franchise history given up by the Nuggets. Uh, I asked Michael Malone about that post game, and he said, uh, let me just find the quote here for you. You can go into a game with a game plan, but if you don't execute that game plan with energy and effort, you're not going to give it a chance to work. The number of threes they made that were wide open, I was embarrassed. Uh, Yeah, it was an embarrassing performance from Denver, to be frank. And it's too bad because the Nuggets had come off of a a pretty nice stretch where they they had won 8 of 10 and uh, 9 of 11, actually. And this is pretty ugly. This is an ugly way to follow that up. And it was clearly not Denver's best effort at all. And you never want to see that because the Nuggets, they don't have a lot of wiggle room. They they started the season pretty badly. Just because they had won several games in succession, it, done, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can just drop one here against a team in Toronto that they had lost nine in a row. This was Kyle Lowry's send-off game. He's probably going to get traded over the course of the next 12 hours or so, but I still think that Denver is going to, like, they're going to regret this one in all likelihood. 
it's a tough one and you, and you don't want to just sort of like, you don't want to dwell on it, but you still want to be able to learn from it. And I think one of the things that Denver can learn, there was a lot of Porter Millsap Jokic tonight against a team that really spaced Denver out. They started Norman Powell at the three, uh, Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi at the four and the five. Those guys are kind of interchangeable. They both spent time uh, guarding Jokic. Mostly it was Ananobi. Uh, and though they struggled against Jokic individually, Denver's offense as a whole wasn't that great. And Murray started out pretty well, uh, but it was the defensive end with that Porter-Millsap-Jokic combo that I thought really put Denver at a disadvantage. I think Will Barton is at his best defensively when he's not guarding a guy who's a lot quicker than him, a lot faster than him. And that's just who Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry are. They made him look really bad tonight. They made uh, Jamal Murray look really bad tonight too. Norman Powell backcuts Michael Porter Jr. on one play uh, along the baseline, and all four Nuggets look at him like, "What the hell are you doing, man?" Like there are just some things and and some timings where the Nuggets are supposed to be playing in a certain way, shape, or form, and uh, if you have a record scratch moment like that. It's really frustrating. It's really debilitating. It wasn't just Porter. Uh, Murray, I think the next possession also had a back cut on him. So this was not just a Porter issue. This is not just anything. Um, Okay. I'm just reading. uh, See, here here I am doing this podcast, recording it during the, the trade season. Woj tweets out, the Detroit Pistons are trading guard DeLon Wright to the Sacramento Kings for guard Corey Joseph and two second-round picks. Okay, so very interesting that the Sacramento Kings are buying at the trade deadline as opposed to selling. Uh, that's that's a pretty delusional move if I if I were to ever see one. Um, God, that's so. That's so weird. Okay, I'll I'll have a point on that with regard to Harrison Barnes later. Uh, but but the Sacramento Kings are just moronic. Uh, yeah. So defense playing Michael Porter, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic at the three, four, and five against a lineup that could really space them out, go five out, uh, shot the ball as well as they were. I thought that that was the bad. It was a bad philosophical choice and tactical choice to make uh, from Malone. Uh, this is something that I hope that they don't have to do consistently. Like if if Monte Morris is back and healthy and they decide, okay, we're going to go small, we're going to play Porter at the four, then you still have Jokic probably guarding Ananobi, but you have Michael Porter guarding Pascal Siakam and then uh, whoever's the three or the four guarding uh, Norman Powell. And guys like that, and, and then you get another smaller guard in there against a guy like Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet. And that's a lot more helpful for what Denver's trying to accomplish with their defensive schemes. But it was still poor effort, and Michael Malone made sure to to say that in, in that quote to me. Uh, you're not going to give it a chance to work. You're not going to give a chance to let the scheme work if you don't give effort. And there's this deviation that, like, coaches, they want to know. They they won't outright say that a certain scheme doesn't work if there is at least a question that maximum effort wasn't given. 
if coaches know that maximum effort was given, that they were trying to execute the scheme as well as possible, and then the scheme didn't work, then that's when coaches will make schematic changes, personnel changes, things like that. Uh, it's hard to tell tonight whether everything was schematic and whether it was just effort. I think that if you have better personnel, then you can make up for some of those schematic deficiencies and for some of those effort deficiencies. But still, it's it's <laughs> everything about it was bad. There's nothing to really like circle in on and say, oh yeah, this was definitely the reason why they sucked. Uh, yeah, they just kind of sucked. <laughs> like it was the second night of a back to back. They didn't give enough effort. They didn't want to be in Tampa Bay. Like, what can you do? Um, Nikola Jokic was pretty good in this one. He he actually said post game, uh, well, no, I'll I'll save that for a little bit later. But uh, Jokic was good. He had twenty points, ten rebounds, five assists. Did have four turnovers. I thought that a lot of those turnovers were because, uh, when he was trying to pass guys open, they weren't receiving those passes well. And I'm gonna call out Porter on that one for sure. I think he had at least two uh, Two of Jokic's turnovers were because Porter didn't cut properly and didn't stay in the right place. That is what I'll say about that. Uh, Murray had some good moments, but he wasn't perfect. He, 20 points, 7 assists, 1 turnover. Michael Malone decided to play him like the first 15 minutes, or, or the in the second half, the first 15 minutes of that second half in a row. Uh, it was very weird. I didn't didn't like what I saw from that, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. But uh, maybe it was just a, a Canada thing. Maybe he just wanted to uh, to play him as much as possible to see if they could get back into the game. Uh, but it's not like I don't think it's the right tactical choice, is what I'll say. Uh, Will Barton was really bad in this one. Uh, o of eight from the field. O of three from three. Zero points, three rebounds, zero assists, two turnovers. Did have a block, did have a steal, a couple of good defensive plays there, but most of the time the defense was really bad. Uh, his head was clearly somewhere else, and un- understandably so. Like The Nuggets have been in trade rumors for Aaron Gordon, like for and pretty heavily, for the last week, and Barton has to know that he's the one that they're probably going to move in that situation, either him or Gary Harris. And those two are tight. Those two are very close on this team. And it would be tough uh, in that situation. I don't know how I would handle it in my situation, knowing that my situation was in flux like that. Like that at any particular moment, I could get a call or somebody could walk up to me and tell me that I was traded. It would be tough. So benefit of the doubt on this one, Barton has been mostly good Uh, For this season, he's taken a step back from a production standpoint because the Nuggets haven't needed him as much. Uh, But if they don't make a move, or if they do make a move and it's for a forward, they will need him. They'll probably start him. So I think that he can still be a part of their plans if they decide to go a different direction. Uh, But it will be interesting to see how they handle that. Michael Porter shot five of six from three. He was on fire from three. He would four four offensive rebounds, four defensive rebounds, uh, nineteen points on the game. You know, I thought he was, I thought he was the most defensively engaged in the game plan, other than one back cut mishap. Uh, well, actually, I don't, 
I don't I don't really want to say that. Never mind. Like it's tough because all of these guys made mistakes and all of them deserve a lot of blame and everybody was a minus and you never just want to circle somebody and say no that guy he definitely gave effort when it, it's not even really clear like how effective and how efficient he was on the defensive end. He still lost Norman Powell on several attempts. Uh, Norman Powell was 22 points on 12 shots. Uh, Pascal Siakam, 27 points on 16 shots. He didn't really guard Pascal or OG. For whatever reason, the Nuggets don't really use him to guard those guys. Same thing with Aaron Gordon yesterday. Very weird to not see Michael Porter matching up with those guys more consistently. He was on Norman Powell most of the time. And when it wasn't him, it was, uh, I don't know, like, no, it really was Norman Powell. Like, their, their minutes matched up the most of anybody. Um, I, like, when, when he slides to the four, he's going to be in better situations for that. And that'll be helpful. But I don't know. It's just very weird. Like, I think that he's in a really tough spot in this defensive scheme against that particular team. Uh, more so than anybody, really. So, except Paul Millsap, who had to guard Pascal Siakam, and, and it, that was not good. Uh, what else from this game? Uh, who else played? Who played off the bench? Uh, PJ Dozier, he hit a couple threes tonight. Uh, six points, two rebounds, one assist. He was fine. Uh, not great. Jamichael Green. Had a couple of nice offensive rebounds and putbacks. Uh, had six points on three of eight from the field, but he missed all five of his threes. That three-point percentage number for him is coming down a little bit. He started off the season really well, but he hasn't been as consistent from three over the course of the past uh, couple months, really. Uh, that was always going to be a situation uh, with him because, I mean, he's a bench guy. He wasn't always going to be a massive positive as a shooter. Uh, he's going to be around 38 to 40% because that's what he did in each of the last two seasons. So he was coming down from 42. He'll probably settle at around 39. Uh, we will see whether he can right that ship a little bit. Uh, but it was pretty notable that in this game, uh, Faku did get a couple of threes to go, but he started off really poorly as well from, from deep. Um, and kind of just running the offense in general. Uh, Faku, I don't know what's going to happen when Monte Morris comes back. Uh, and if Denver does make a move, and maybe Monte is in the starting lineup, maybe he's not. But uh, either way, Faku's probably going to be out there, but he might not be. And I, I want to prepare some of the listeners who are, who are big Faku fans for that, that there could be a situation where Faku doesn't play. And if that is the case, then it's probably the right reason. It's probably because they have guys that are just going to give them a better chance to win. Uh, Faku has has done a lot over the course of these last couple months, uh, especially this last month. Uh, but his three-point shot being so irregular, uh, there's a lot of questions that I have about help defense, things like that. There's only so much that he could do. Uh, so we're going to see how that goes, and, and I'm interested to see how it plays out. We'll know a lot more by tomorrow uh, based off of how Denver's roster is going to be constructed going forward. Uh, Jema- uh, Zeke Naji wasn't ready to play today. Uh, he did get seven rebounds, but most of those were in garbage time. 
Uh, one of six from from the field, oh of four from three. Uh, yeah, it didn't look great, and him not being really involved in the stat sheet in any other way other than uh, those rebounds and those shots is is not a really good sign. Uh, but that was the case for a lot of Denver's players, so don't want to single him out too much. Uh, but it is two games in a row that I didn't think that he was great uh, when when they asked for him. Uh, Bull Bull got some playing time. Uh, he was whipping around some some passes and some shots, and uh, he was fine. Like hard to hard to really get a gauge on him. Uh, but I think the teams just wanted to see him, and and it wouldn't surprise me if Denver kind of threw him out there just to show teams like, hey, this is a guy who we haven't had we haven't had play in a while, but he is good and he's talented, and I think he showed that. Uh, R.J. Hampton. He had three rebounds in 13 minutes, uh, four points, one of two from the field, got to the line. Uh, two assists as well, no turnovers. Uh, he may be on the block, but I, if he's not, then I hope that Denver can find a way to work him into the rotation. Uh, he does have some tools that I think Denver could continue to develop. We're going to see whether they actually do. Uh, okay, that's enough for this game. Uh, where am I at right now, time-wise? Okay, yeah, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the the trade deadline anxiety that's going on and then what Denver's plan is going to be. We'll be right back. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh if you can make sure to leave a five-star review uh potentially on itunes uh wherever you get your podcasts really uh really would really appreciate the uh the love and support as i always do it's been great um let's talk trade deadline stuff because look there's there's some things going on right now the nuggets are on the lines there have been a lot of rumors that have come out over the course of the last couple of days that have really tied the Nuggets to Aaron Gordon. They are going after him. They are definitely trying to get him. Uh, he is their biggest priority over the course of the next 12 hours or so. Uh, if they could get him onto this roster, they feel like he is the best possible fit that they, that they can get uh, to pair with Murray, Porter, and Jokic. I tend to agree with that. I think that his skill set, uh, how versatile he is, his ability to mix and match in different systems, uh, he can defend the opposing team's best player. He has a lot of versatility. Uh, he's he's shown his ability as a passer. He's shown his ability as a scorer and a rebounder. The Nuggets hope that they could get a little bit of all of that, as well as some great defense, uh, especially against the big wings that they tend to struggle with. It would be nice having a guy that you could just say, okay, hey, Aaron, this is your assignment. And that would be, like, if it's LeBron James, if it's Kawhi Leonard, it might just at least give the other Nuggets a little bit of structure that they could build a defense around. That's my thinking with this. And I tend to think that he is the best possible guy that Denver could get, that Denver could structure their defense around. And then... If they don't give up any of their stars, they obviously feel like they could score. Uh, that would be the biggest reason to trade for him, to acquire him. 
and Denver's going after it. They have made it uh, not public, but those conversations have really leaked. And Denver's trying to, whether it's Gary Harris or Will Barton or uh, one of the prospects that they're offering, uh, first round capital, they're going to do what they can to get him. Uh, whether they do is one question. I, I I don't know whether that's going to happen. I can only guess. If I had to guess right now, the obvious bet is that they don't get him. But I feel a lot more confident that they will over the course of the last few hours. Just seeing how they performed in a situation like they had against Toronto. Uh, how they watched what Aaron Gordon could do. In, again, like with Orlando when Denver faced them on Tuesday night, uh, he did some things that I think they would like, that I think they were hoping to see. Like he guarded Murray for a possession and looked really good. He guarded Jokic for a possession and looked really good. Was a good help defender at, at times, but he has like he has the skill set that I think that they're really hoping for. Uh, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. If that doesn't happen... Denver's going to pivot. Uh, I had mentioned Harrison Barnes before this podcast, but with the news that the Kings are sending out second-round picks along with Corey Joseph to get DeLon Wright, they're clearly going for it. They're clearly trying to make the playoffs with that group. Uh, Maybe this is more of a long-term play because of DeLon Wright's contract, but I kind of doubt it. I think they're just trying to make the play-in game. And if that's their goal, if that's something that they're trying to do, then trading Harrison Barnes is pretty counterintuitive. They're not going to do that if they feel like they're, they're, they're just not going to do it. Like, like Harrison Barnes is a good basketball player. He's very solid at what he does. And I think this definitely lessens the likelihood of a deal. So if that is one player that's kind of crossed off the list, of what the, like, if the Kings aren't giving him up, then that means the Celtics, the Nuggets, teams that were previously tied to Harrison Barnes as well, they now have to really pivot to Aaron Gordon. He's the only guy that could potentially be moved. And if that's the case, the price is going to go up. So if you are one of the people that think that Aaron Gordon could be the missing piece, then I doubt that that really changes your mind on this situation, that the the Harrison Barnes being off the table would change your mind. If you're somebody who gets a little bit hesitant when you talk about Aaron Gordon, when you think, okay, everybody's talking about him, but is he really that good? Is he really what what Ryan is saying? Is he really that good? Then I think you have some right to pause a little bit and think, okay, hey, maybe if the if the betting, if the price here, if the bidding here gets a little bit too high, then maybe that's something that Denver should reconsider. I fall in the first camp, of course, if you've listened to me before on pretty much any show. Uh, Aaron Gordon has been my ideal replacement for Jeremy Grant since the offseason. I will stick to that. You can go back and listen to pretty much any of my podcasts discussing the replacing of Jeremy Grant. That is the guy that I would circle. But if it's not Aaron Gordon, and if it's not Harrison Barnes... I wonder if Denver goes after Lonzo Ball. There was a report that that from Brian Windhorst that the Nuggets had inquired about Lonzo's status. He's a guy that, along with Murray Porter and Jokic, fits that timeline really well. 
He's in his early 20s, mid-20s. He's about to come up for a contract extension, but if it's around $20 million per year, that's the number the Nuggets were willing to give to Jeremy Grant, so they would probably be willing to give it to another player. Lonzo Ball could be that guy. Uh, I've spoken about him before at length. I don't want to do so again right here, but he's a guy that if if the price tag for him isn't as high as the as the Nuggets are willing, like if they if they're willing to meet that price tag, then I'd almost rather them go after Lonzo Ball because he's a guy that I can see fitting with this Nuggets team, with this core: a Murray, Lonzo, Porter, Jokic. That f- core four of players. I could see them fitting together for a long, long time. See if that's actually the case. If it's not Lonzo, could be Torian Prince. He's a guy in Cleveland that they're definitely willing to give up for the right price. They probably won't. They're a situation where they're probably just, they they probably aren't going to do anything at all except maybe trade JaVale McGee. Uh, They're not going to trade Larry Nance in all likelihood. He's a guy who I would love to get, but Probably not there. Torian Prince could probably be had if Denver made an interesting offer, but it would probably cost a first-round pick. I doubt that Denver's willing to give up a first-round pick for Torian Prince. Uh, That's just kind of my read on the situation. If the Cleveland Cavaliers were willing to accept seconds, then maybe Denver could come to a situation there. If it's not any of those guys, then here's some low-cost wing options that Denver may go after. Kenrich Williams, Mo Harkless, and Troy Brown. Those are guys that you're probably giving up Bull Bull and a second-round pick in a lot of cases, but if if you give up Bull Bull and a second-round pick and you feel like you could get back a guy who could be a part of your playoff rotation, that would be a win. If you can't, then you probably don't. Uh, I think that that's at least interesting from Denver's perspective. Every team should want Kenrich Williams. He's a guy who, if, if you're looking for long-term pieces that are going to be pretty cheap around Murray Porter and Jokic that do a lot of the little things that could help teams win, Kenrich Williams is good. He's a guy that Nuggets fans should at least be familiar with because he was on their summer league roster for like two games, three games. He was very good. He got an opportunity somewhere else. Denver didn't pay for him. And they may regret that at this point. If Denver doesn't get a wing option, they may decide to go for a low-cost big man. couple options in that case. Kem Birch of the Orlando Magic. He's probably the best possible low-cost big man that they could get that I think would be available. Uh, Orlando would probably be willing to part with him. In this situation, JaVale McGee of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he's a guy who, as a veteran, he's been around the league for a little bit, still a little bit wacky, still a little bit wild, but if Denver's looking to fill that rim protector role, somebody who could stop uh, shots at the rim a little bit, he could be an option, especially for like uh, 12 to 15 minutes a game. If the Knicks end up trading for Andre Drummond, which is rumored, Nerlens Noel is another name that I would circle. Hassan Whiteside of the Sacramento Kings is a name I would circle. And Alex Len of the Washington Wizards is also a name I would circle. Alex Len, Hassan Whiteside, those guys aren't good, 
Uh, they're not definitely not as good as Nerlens Noel uh, or Ken Birch. Maybe JaVale McGee. Maybe they're better than him. But uh, those guys have been around the block too and, and would, would give Denver at least some tangible size that they haven't really had with Isaiah Hartenstein. But we'll see. We'll see what they ultimately do. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to talk Throwback Thursday with Gary Harris and Will Barton. We'll be right back. Final segment here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. I wanted to do Throwback Thursday because, uh, look, this is going to be a Thursday podcast. It may not be what people want to hear, but I want to do it anyway because I think it's time, given their situations, given what the Nuggets are currently going through, uh, and given the situation around the league with the trade deadline looming, it's time to talk about Gary Harris and Will Barton. Those guys have been integral to what the Nuggets have built over the course of these last six years. Think about that. They've been in Denver for over six years now. Six years of real time. Really approaching seven if you're if you're talking Gary. He has been with this team for a long time. Been through it with the ups and downs of the Brian Shaw era. And then kind of on the upswing with Michael Malone. Will Barton, same thing. Came in just after Gary Harris was drafted. Uh, maybe just like nine months later or so, eight months later. And he was great as well. From the get-go, Will Barton was a guy that fans had really latched on to. And with Gary's kind of his understated personality, his game, uh, he was very efficient, a really solid defender. Fans latched on to Gary Harris as well. The tide has really turned over the course of these last few years with those guys. Uh, what used to be fan favorites are, are guys who aren't necessarily appreciated now. And it's too bad. Uh, injuries and time and, and kind of some failures over the course of these last few years have really pay, played a part in that. Uh, but I want to take you back through the through the trade, not, not the trade deadline, but just through the transaction windows, uh, what the Nuggets have done over the course of these last six, seven years with Gary Harrison, Will Barton. June 26, 2014, that was the day the Nuggets drafted Gary Harris, shooting guard out of Michigan State, couldn't get off the bench for Brian Shaw's awful coaching job. Uh, Malone came in, he committed to Gary Harris at the two. Uh, that was one of the first things that he did as the head coach of the Denver Nuggets. He said, look, we're going to start with some structure here. Obviously, Danilo Gallinari was the guy uh, at small forward. He was the guy that everything kind of circled around at that point. But Gary Harris was the guy that he committed to first at the two. And he wanted to develop him. And mission accomplished. Uh, opening night against uh, against the Houston Rockets, October 28, 2015, over five years ago, the Nuggets started Moutier, Gary Harris, Gallo, Kenneth Fareed, and Joffrey Laverne. Think about that for a second. This was the this was Jokic's first game as a member of the Denver Nuggets. Yusuf Nurkic was injured. He was going to be injured for a while. Joffrey Laverne was the opening night starter 
for the Denver Nuggets. Jokic played just three minutes in that game. He definitely wasn't a starter yet. But Denver won 105-85 to in that game. Moutier had a good performance. Gallo had a good performance. But the real star was Harris. He held James Harden to 6 of 21 from the field. During that season, during his, his basically what his rookie season was because he lost his rookie season due to Brian Shaw. During the last 30 games of that season, Harris scored in double figures in 27 of those games. Just finding that consistency, finding that rhythm. Next year, next date I want to point out, December 15th, 2016. This is Nikola Jokic Day. Everybody knows December 15th. Don't get me wrong. If you're a Nuggets, real Nuggets fans, no. Come on now. But people forget. On that day, one of the other players that returned to the starting five that day was Gary Harris. He had had a long injury. He'd been out for a while. The Nuggets were struggling without him. They couldn't defend. They couldn't score. He came back and Jokic was inserted into the starting lineup, and Denver started going with a group that was Moutier, Harris, Gallo, Wilson Chandler, and Nikola Jokic. Very modern. Really good lineup there. Harris had 18 points on 11 shots, 6 assists. This This was the start of something special. This was the start of, like, you could really get a sense that Denver had really turned the corner with this moment. It was clear that Jokic had to start. He was very good uh, at that lineup, very clearly better than Nurkic. Uh, Farid wasn't great as well, uh, but Denver made a lot of changes. They moved Wilson Chandler in there for Kenneth Farid. They moved Jokic in there for, uh, uh, for Nurkic. And then they moved Harris in there for Will Barton, who didn't have any dribble driving lanes because Harris and Nurkic were in the middle of them all the time as was Moutier. That really started off something special. And for a while, things were really looking good. The rest of that season, he shot 42% from three. Uh, Denver, they had the best offense in the NBA from that point onward, uh, from offensive rating perspective. Defense wasn't great, but that was to be expected. The next season, Harris's best year. The capstone moment of that season February 1st, 2018. That was an epic night, a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder in Pepsi Center. Epic night. Jokic at 29 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists. Maybe maybe that switch, I don't remember. Jamal Murray had 33 points. He went toe-to-toe with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. But it was Gary Harris who had 25 points. He hit the iconic buzzer beater three that lifted Denver over Oklahoma City in an epic national TV game that got a great reaction uh, from the announcer. I think it was Kevin Harlan. Epic buzzer beater on a cross-court pass from Jokic. Runs off the floor with with his hand in the air signaling three. And he ran off the floor out into the tunnel. It was incredible. It was it was the, the pinnacle of Gary Harris. In my opinion, exactly six weeks after that moment, Gary Harris was sidelined by an injury. He'd come back in the final two games, uh, but he wasn't really the same. He, he was just trying to come back and, and do what he could to help the team at that point. 
Uh, unfortunately, that really was the last bit of Gary Harris magic that we've seen. He hasn't been the same ever since that point. That was over three years ago. And it's really sad that a player as talented as he is, as he was, just had all of these injuries that really over the years just destroyed his psyche, destroyed his physicality. He was a guy who was going to be a fullback just and a running back charging through the lane, bouncing off of people, being physical, being strong. And it's just too bad that his body couldn't really hold up for that. Ever since then, his role has diminished as Jokic's role has grown, as Murray's role has grown, the emergence of Michael Porter now. Uh, Gary Harris, just he isn't going to be an offensive player anymore for Denver. If he does stick around, it's going to be as a defensive role player. He's not going to get the same opportunities as a ball handler. He's not going to get the same opportunities as a shooter. Anything that he does make is a value add because Denver's really only counting on his defense at this point. And it's just a really tough fall from grace for him because he's done a lot of great things for the city. Moving to Will Barton. The Brian Shaw era was a mess. It was a joke. Denver tried to bring in Aaron Aflalo during his second season uh, to try to bounce things back. But that move fell by the wayside completely. Things fell apart. Brian Shaw was trying to rap to people. It was just a mess. At the trade deadline, Denver decides to pivot. February 9th, 2015, the Nuggets decide to trade Aaron Aflalo to Portland for a package that included some salaries, a first-rounder that turned into Malik Beasley, and Will Barton, who's a scrawny shooting guard, second-round pick, somebody who Nuggets fans didn't really have a lot of... uh, They didn't have a lot of expectations for. But Blazers fans were really upset that they had to give up Will Barton. And they were right. Barton really stepped into a role off the bench. The moment he got to Denver, things were bleak. Things weren't great. But at the end of the 2014-15 season, he stepped into a role as a sixth man and just sort of ran with it. He was the first guy off the bench a lot of nights. And then... The next season in 2015-16, he stepped into it even more. He was even getting some sixth man of the year buzz at times. A guy who, I, I don't remember if he finished third in that vote, but he was putting up some great numbers and did a lot of stuff off the dribble. One of the most interesting pieces that Denver had. Because in a moment where Denver had Emmanuel Moutier as a rookie trying to figure out how the hell to play the game of basketball, They had Nikola Jokic in that first unit, especially towards the middle and end of the season. But in the second unit, that was Will Barton's time to shine. He was awesome. He was a freestyler. He was athletic. He was a high leaper. That's why they called him Will the Thrill, because he was thrilling when he was on the basketball court. It's just incredible to watch him fly. He even took part in a dunk contest. The one, you know, that Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon really stole the show. Andre Drummond was there too for some reason, but Barton was there. He didn't do well, but it sort of stands out in my mind that moment in particular because Barton was a leaper. He was a guy who was just a leaper and a dunker and doing some incredible stuff. But then he continued to develop his game. 
November 30th, 2017, that may have been the pinnacle of his career with the Nuggets. 17-18 season, it was Jokic's third year just to set the table. Denver didn't have, they didn't get off to a great start that season, but, and Paul Millsap got injured, uh, I think pretty early on in that year. Will Barton against the Chicago Bulls scores 37 points. It was a career high. It might still be a career high. Hits the game-winning shot around Robin Lopez, a contorting reverse layup that was an impossible shot, an impossible angle, spins it off the glass and in. Just a great moment for him. His ability to create shots and create baskets out of nothing. It won Denver games. Absolutely did. And in the second half of the 17-18 season, Gary Harris goes down, as I mentioned before. Will Barton, he stepped right in. He stepped in as a starter and he balled out. I don't have the numbers offhand, but he was great in the in that in that stretch. I think he had like 18 points, five rebounds, four assists on 40% from three. He was awesome. He was one of the reasons why Denver survived so long in the second half of that that 17-18 season to push a game 82 against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Barton in that time, he earned a starting spot for the 2018-19 season, signed a contract in the offseason, was promised a starting role, and got it. And in the second game back on October 20th, 2018, Barton tore something in his hip. I don't remember what it was. But it was his second game. His second game as a starter that year. It's really sad. Denver had finally put together a lineup they felt really good about. Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. Barton tears something. Has to sit out half the season. Struggles to return. Didn't have nearly his full athleticism and his full comfort level when he did return. It was really tough. It was tough to watch him in the playoffs that year. He just wasn't comfortable. He wasn't healthy. And when you talk about guys like that, we talk about guys who, kind of like Gary, kind of like Will, they show something. They show some really special potential. Something very incredible that Nuggets fans could really hold on to. It was a tough cat and mouse game for those guys because they wanted to be out there too. They wanted to be healthy. Being held out, being injured, it was worse for them than it was worse for any other Nuggets fan. It's worse for them than even the Nuggets. Those guys wanted a chance to prove themselves, to prove that they would be part of this team. As he worked his way back, uh, Denver again faced injuries in the 2019-20 season with without Murray, Harris, or Millsap on the floor in January 16, 2020 against the Golden State Warriors. The Nuggets go to overtime, and Will Barton hits an overtime dagger three over the Golden State Warriors. 31 points, 7 assists, really just looked like prime thrill in that game. It's just great. Hit 7 threes, made some great passes, made some great layups. He's a guy that, at his best, he always looked like a player who could be the driver of an offense. Or at least the secondary driver of an offense. Somebody who just 
could be a massive part of what the Nuggets were going to do going forward. It never manifested. Uh, he's been their fourth best player this year. I, I don't think that's like egregious at all to say. Uh, but things have really changed. The tone has really changed. Michael Porter is ready to assume a sp- responsibility. This, this team, they feel like they've hit a new road. They feel like they've hit a new era for what is being asked of this group, for what is being expected of this group. Jokic, Murray, now even Porter, they're getting ready to win. They're getting ready to win at the highest level. Those guys, they are ready. The Nuggets, they're ready as an organization. They haven't skipped any steps. They've done all of these things right. They've brought in the veterans. They've stuck by their guys. They've developed everybody. They've kept these guys retained internally. But now this team, is it really does feel like they're in a different place than they were. Because Paul Millsap has grown up. Uh, he's he's kind of past where he was when Denver initially signed him, where the, what they thought they were getting. The Nuggets, they just have different needs right now from what Harris and Barton consistently bring, and sort of inconsistently bring. The Nuggets need somebody that they can trust every play defensively. They haven't had that with Gary Harris out. He's been out for... I think 24 games in a row now. Will Barton, with the way that Michael Porter Jr. has stepped into that third scoring role, what Will Barton has done sometimes hijacks what Denver wants to do offensively. It's a little bit too much iso ball. It's a little too much guard ball handling. The Nuggets don't always want that. And if they do, they're going to hope for opportunities for Michael Porter to take those next steps. Will Barton, could he be that option on the second unit? Maybe. But I don't know if that's in the cards either. Because the fact is, like I said, the Nuggets are in a different place now than they were in like 2018. Barton was signed to his last contract at that point. Harris had just, like, his contract was going to kick in in the 2018-19 season. The vision of what Denver had at that point completely different from where they are now. Things have evolved. Things have changed. Denver understands who Jokic and Murray are more intimately than they had in previous years. Playoff runs, uh, the bubble experience, that's really changed where Denver's mentality has driven them. But I still think that it's important to appreciate what Gary Harris and Will Barton have meant to this organization and to the city of Denver. They have embraced Denver. Will Barton is proud to call this home. Gary Harris has never known any other home in the NBA other than Denver. Nuggets fans, it's it's been an up-and-down relationship with those two guys in particular, but it's just important to appreciate it that over six years, Those guys have given their heart and their soul to the Nuggets organization. It might be coming to an end at this point, but if it does, I hope the Nuggets fans can send those guys out with maturity, cheers, support, 
and a lot of positivity and a lot of thanking them for what they've done. They might still be around. Maybe I'm saying this and, and Denver doesn't do anything. And we should be defaulting to Denver doing nothing because they like the group that they have. And Gary Harris and Will Barton are important. And why would you move those guys? But I'm a realist. And I know what Denver needs. And I think a lot of you know what Denver needs too. They need size. They need defense. They need versatility around what Jokic, Murray, and Porter are going to do. I'm not sure if that describes what Gary Harris and Will Barton are, at least at this moment. Maybe they once were. But over the course of these last six years, it's it's turned and injuries have, have really sort of devolved the situation. It may be time. And if it is, please show your love and support to Gary Harris and Will Barton. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I will be back tomorrow night. Uh, regardless of whether Denver does anything for the trade deadline, I think it will be a nice reset point for what Denver is going to do and what they're going to look like for the rest of the season. Uh, if you need any news, make sure to check out denverstiffs.com. Got a lot of great stuff over there. We've got a good staff that is going to continue to have you filled in and clued in for everything that Denver's wanting to do. Looking forward to it. Going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.